Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Several times a year, God's people in the Old Testament were instructed to come together to enjoy very specific feasts unto the Lord. Of course, as Christians today, there's no such command for us to outwardly keep these annual feasts. But why then are they directly referred to in the passages of the New Testament? Actually, the Christian life should be a life of feasting continually. This is our theme on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. We return to the book of Exodus today and the remarkable journey of God's people out of the bondage of their worldly captivity and through their experience in the wilderness. Francis Ball has joined us once again. Francis, I like this matter of the feasts. I'm glad that you're here with us today. I also like this matter, and I'm really excited about getting into another message on this. In chapters 21, 22, 23, there are three feasts mentioned. And we want to continue to look at them a little further today because the feasts in the Old Testament always show us something very marvelous regarding our enjoyment of Christ in the New Testament dispensation. Briefly, Francis, would you review these feasts for us before we get a little deeper into the details regarding them? Well, it really is very interesting to see that these feasts do have such an application to our Christian life today. In Exodus twenty-three fourteen, it says, Three times... Thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. These three annual feasts were Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. And the keeping of these three feasts unto God year by year typify the full enjoyment of the triune God in Christ. The first feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is really a continuation of the Feast of the Passover, typifies the enjoyment of Christ as the sinless supply of life. This is clearly pointed out in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8, where it says that our Passover, Christ, also has been sacrificed, and also says, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So there is uh, this application of the Feast of Unleavened Bread that really applies to us, not the legal keeping of the feast, but the living way of keeping our supply of Christ as the unleavened bread, that is, the sinless life. Then the second feast was called the Feast of Harvest, also known as Pentecost. This feast typifies the enjoyment of the resurrected Christ who is now the life-giving spirit. And then the third feast is the feast of ingathering, which typifies the enjoyment of the fullness of the Father in Christ. So we can see that in all these feasts, they are typifying our enjoyment of Christ, the Son, 
and the enjoyment of God the Spirit and the enjoyment consummately of God the Father. Feasts are matters of enjoyment. Today we can enjoy God in such a full way as typified in these three feasts. Francis, a term that's used frequently in the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee is God's economy. That's a New Testament phrase. It shows up in a number of places, but it's very much at the kernel of this ministry. In this first section today, we're going to hear Witness Lee talk about God's economy as it relates to these ordinances and feasts that appear in Exodus 21, 22, 23. Let's join him for this. To read all these ordinances is more than easy. But to get into the depths and find out the implications, indications, and significances is altogether not so easy. The altar typifies the cross, and the sacrifice typifies Christ. This is clear. We have to find out what these three feasts signify. If the altar signifies the cross, and the sacrifice signifies Christ, surely all the three feasts, the unleavened bread feast, the harvest feast, and ingathering feast, all should signify something. In all these ordinances, Christ fills the sin. The section of the ordinances begins from chapter 22, verse 1. And it ends at the end of chapter 23. But before these three chapters, there is a preliminary section. Just five verses at the end of chapter 21. And this preliminary to the ordinances just opens the gate of the ordinances. What gate? The gate for the fallen man to contain God. How to worship God. No way for the fallen man to contain God but through the altar and by the sacrifice. No fallen man can come to worship God, to contact God, but through the cross and by Christ. Now, dear saints, you and I, we all must realize why before giving the ordinances, God gives such a preliminary this opens the gate for us to see a clear picture of Christ and his redemption according to God's economy. In all the ordinances, you can see Christ, and you can see Christ's redemption, and you can see this redemption is accomplished fully according to God's economy. You have Christ here, and you have the redemption here, and you have God's economy here. All these ordinances firstly open the gate for us to come to God and to enter into his economy. 
Francis, we've seen a lot now in these chapters after the giving of the Ten Commandments of the ordinances and the feasts that were given as a kind of a supplement to the commandments. And what we've heard today is that the details that these supplements present really bring us to Christ. We've even heard in this section that we really have a revelation of God's economy in this portion. God's economy, as we mentioned before, is a very New Testament concept. How do we see it in these ordinances of the Old Testament? Well, Chris, one thing I think is very important in going through these chapters in Exodus and even the whole Old Testament, that a view of God's economy is important for us to be able to apply these things of the Old Testament as well as to understand what God's goal is. These ordinances in Exodus 21 to 23, in typology, by their implications, their indications, and the significance, reveal how we New Testament believers have fled into Christ as our refuge, and how we need to learn to live in Christ, and even labor on Christ, and to grow Christ, This really is God's purpose and God's economy because His intention is for Christ to be everything to us. He wants to dispense Himself into us that we might be a manifestation and an expression of Him. So everything in the Bible is really in line with God's economy of dispensing Christ into us to be our life. God wants to infuse Christ into us so that we, like Paul, can say, for to me to live is Christ. Many Christians are wanting to be like Christ, but this is deeper than that. To be like Christ is to try to imitate him with our own life, but to live Christ is to have Christ infused into our being like you take in food, and a feast is really that picture, taking food into our being. This is our enjoyment of Christ that infuses him into us so that we could live him every day. This is the reason that these feasts are also in line with God's New Testament economy. Yeah, what we're seeing here is that collectively the details really show us Christ, as we have heard in previous messages in this portion of Exodus, and they also bring together this crystallized view of God's economy. This is a broad view. In the coming section, we're going to get a little more specific about some of the details that show up in this passage. Let's join Witness Lee once again. The fullness of thy harvest. That is, the fullness of the produce of the Golan. And tears. Just one word. Tears. This word, tears, which is in Hebrew, is very inclusive. It signifies the flow of wine from the grapes and the flow of the oil from the olives. These long clouds, actually in Hebrew, is very simple. Offer your fullness and your tears. That's all. You have some King James Version which has the margin note. You could see there. It gives the word harvest, and it gives you the word of tears. Okay, fullness refers to the harvest, and tears, this word, refers to wine and oil, 
that flows out of the wine price and the oil price. This is the way to live in Christ. We, the believers in Christ, we are likened to the harvest. The Bible says, you are God's farm. We are likened to God's crop to grow and to have a harvest. On the other hand, we are likened to living person and livestock. We are living men and living stock. Wine, oil came from the crop. All the produce from the crop must be after God without any delay. And the produce of the living person and of the cattle, every firstborn must be given to God. When you live in Christ, enjoying his rest and freedom, you are farming. You are farming. You are laboring on Christ. And then you grow Christ. We are in the good land. All inclusive Christ. Well, we are living here, we are farming. Well, we are living here, we are growing. Well, we are living here, we are labor on the good land, which is Christ. How do we grow? We grow Christ. So we will have a fullness. We will have a fullness. A fullness of our harvest. And what is our harvest? That is just the reaping of the experience of Christ. Francis, there are several wonderful matters related to our living Christ that are presented in this portion. I wonder if you'd comment on at least a couple of them. Francis, I was very impressed with a couple of these phrases, the fullness of the harvest and the tears of the press. Very, very marvelous phrases. I was also impressed with these matters. The fullness of the harvest, this refers to what we have as uh, the produce that we gain by laboring on Christ as our good land. It's what we reap of our rich experiences of Christ. These experiences are what we have as a harvest to offer to God. So this particular uh, aspect of these feasts, the fullness of the harvest means all the experiences that we gain by our daily contact with the Lord, our living by Christ day by day, our prayer reading the word in the morning, our enjoyment of Christ through our daily living and contact with others. These are all experiences that we have that can be very rich of Christ and something very pleasing to God and becomes a harvest of our labor so that we have something to offer to him. Uh, what Brother Lee has brought out concerning the tears now, the tears of the press, this is referring to the oil and the wine produced by the pressing of olives and the pressing of grapes. These are referring to the tears which signify the experiences of Christ through the suffering of the cross. When we suffer in these experiences of the cross, we have something flowing as wine to cheer both God and man. And also, this produces a flowing out of our experiences that pleases God, 
like is indicated by the flowing of the olive oil. What's been pressed out of the olive is the oil, and this is seen as something that's pleasing to God. So our experiences of Christ must include the experiences of the cross. And then in that experience, a lot of the self, the natural, the sinful things are all dealt with in a sense that's a suffering, and sometimes it brings the tears, but those tears are really a supply to others and a pleasant picture for God. He wants to see this, our experience of Christ and his cross. Francis, there was another phrase that we heard in Witness Lee speaking here. I'd like to ask you to comment on briefly. We don't have a lot of time. But that is our standing as those who have been redeemed through Christ as our substitute and who have been separated unto God. Well, you know, Chris, this probably is the most applicable to our experience because we see here that if we really deserve to be judged. As the firstborn, we were under God's judgment. He was coming through to kill all the firstborn. We got redeemed. We have to realize what a marvelous thing this is, that we are those who've gotten redeemed by Christ. We got redeemed through Christ's death on the cross, and this makes us now no longer our own. We belong to another. And our whole living should characterize this. And we should impart this to our children, to our family, to others, that we don't belong to this world, which is typified by Egypt. As redeemed ones, we belong to God. And we want to be those who really show forth that we are God's children and that we belong to Him. And our living should be characterized by showing that day by day we're not living apart from Him, but we're living one with Him. Well, we're going to look at a passage in this last section today that seems a little obscure. It's a very brief ordinance, and it's from Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. It simply says, You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. This is an intriguing passage, Francis. Let's join Witness Lee. Four small items of supplements. Number one, don't offer your blood of the sacrifice with leavened bread. This is a warning. Never mix Christ's redemption with your sinful life. When you come to the feast, don't mix the blood of the sacrifice with the leavened bread. The blood of the sacrifice signifies the redemption of Christ. The leavened bread signifies what? The sinful life. You shouldn't put these two things together. The number two, God's feast should not remain until the next morning. That is, all the enjoyment of the riches of Christ, you have to enjoy it today. We Christians are people of today. Enjoy Christ today. No, she says, okay, okay, uh, let me do it tomorrow. Then number three, the first of the first fruits. Even among the first fruits, still the first is the first. That is Christ. You have to bring these to the temple of God for God's satisfaction. This simply indicates that in our experience and enjoyment of Christ, there is always the top above the tops. 
the top experience above the top experiences of Christ. You have to bring these to God directly. Don't let anyone enjoy it. This must be for God's satisfaction first. Sometimes if you share your experience with others before bringing this experience to God, you make your top experience common. But sometimes you may be mistaken thinking that your experience is the top on the tops. Actually, yours is the bottom under the bottom. <laughs> Keep that open to everybody. But anything that is top above the tops, keep it secret. And bring this to God's temple for God's satisfaction directly. Then the last one, don't boil the keys with its mother's milk. The mother's milk, no doubt, according to New Testament, is the milk of the word, which feeds the newborn babes. And this is Christ. Don't use this kind of word of Christ, which is the milk that nourishes the newborn Christians. Don't use this to kill the newborn Christians. You have to realize many Christians did a lot of killing. Many Christian teachers, they just boil the new believers. They seize the new believers with what? With the superficial teaching of Christ. With the milk. Milk is not for boiling. Milk is for drinking. Milk is for feeding, not for killing. The word of Christ that produces the milk, the nourish the newborn Christian babes is for nourishing, not for killing. When we are enjoying Christ to his fullest, that is to enjoy the triune God in Christ in all the feasts, we have to avoid these four things. Not to mix Christ's redemption with our sinful life. The enjoyment of the riches of Christ should be always instant. Don't wait. Don't keep it until tomorrow. Then the top experiences of Christ should be kept fully and directly for God's satisfaction. Lastly, don't use the word of Christ which nourishes the new believers to kill them. Be careful not to kill the new believers with the spiritual nourishing word. Well, Francis, the Apostle Peter in his first New Testament epistle identifies the word as milk. First Peter 2.4 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Now here we have this unusual ordinance forbidding us from boiling or scathing the kid in his mother's milk. We just heard a very interesting interpretation, Francis. How does such an ordinance have meaning for us? Well, to me, Chris, this is a marvelous interpretation and application of this strange admonition to not boil the kid in his mother's milk. This means that we should be like mothers who nourish themselves. In the nourishment of themselves, they're actually producing food 
and nourishment for their little ones. So this enjoyment should produce with us, the believers, the milk of the Word that's good for feeding the new believers. If we use what we know of the Bible, I put that in quotes, as just knowledge and try to use our knowledge to correct and instruct new ones, we will likely seethe them rather than feed them. So this is a very clear warning, not to boil the new ones in all our milk, not try to expect every new one to be at the same level of growth that we are, and to help them by nourishing them. And our enjoyment of the Lord should produce the nourishing milk of the Word that would help them to grow. So we must not use the milk produced in our enjoyment of the triune God to condemn the young ones or the new ones. Francis, I can't help but remember back to when I was a young man in my very, very early 20s and I came to the Lord. I'm so grateful for those that were taking care and shepherding me in those days because there was a lot in my life that would have been very easy for them to identify and criticize and point out that these things really didn't have a role in a Christian's living. But rather than take that approach, they were very careful and just day by day brought me to enjoying the milk of the Word. And it's amazing what that began to produce within a very short time. I'd like to thank Francis Ball for being with us once again today. And I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.